2: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And
3: now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We do this show every weekend... Here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. And we're always very pleased when you join us. Uh, Alan Dempsey, once again, does the engineering for us. Does it well. Andrew Herdliska does the producing. And Dr. Philip Nation is with us in this first half hour from Nashville. uh, The Director of Content Development with the Resources Division of LifeWay Christian Resources... We're going to talk about his new book. It's called Habits for Our Holiness How the Spiritual Disciplines Grow Us Up, Draw Us Together, and Send Us Out. Moody Publishers in Chicago put the book out. Philip, great to talk to
4: you. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great today, Pat. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing this with you and, and with your listeners.
3: Uh, what's the book about? What's the meat of this book?
4: When you really get down to it, in in a very simple phrase, it is about a missionary view of spiritual disciplines. So oftentimes we think about spiritual disciplines as those things that drive us so deeply into our prayer closet that we can't see the rest of the world. And I wanted to give people just a, a really fun, accessible book that would help them to see, hey, I, anybody can grow in their faith, and, and here are some easy ways to do it.
3: Well, the first uh, item you give us to chew on here, Philip, travels through the garden coming to love Christ. Let's start with that.
4: Yeah, I I think that at the core of uh, spiritual disciplines that, and we really need to see them as the practices of how we we love Christ. Uh, A very wise friend of mine once said to me that love really is the center point of the Christian life, and I And I I believe that. I think love really is the central discipline of the Christian life. And so we start there rather than this guilt-ridden, you know, i got to check all the boxes off to try to please God. But instead, you start at this point where you just go back to the garden, that Garden of Eden where we just walk in the cool of the day with a Father who loves us.
3: Now I want you to talk about our soul's desire and design the practice of worship.
4: Yeah, as I get into the into the book and I start thinking about spiritual disciplines as a whole, I really do think that worship, Bible study, and prayer—those three really are the foundational practices of the Christian life. And, and we're designed to worship. Uh, it's you either you either worship God or you you need to get out of the way. I mean, he he is holy. He's righteous. He's just. And our design. is is to be in this worship-filled relationship with Him. Uh, Worship really is the central activity of everybody's existence. We find something that we put all of our affection on, and so we're designed to be in this kind of relationship with God.
3: Philip, then let's move from the head to the heart and talk to us about the practice of Bible study.
4: Bible study is one of those uh, practices that Certainly, we hear all the time that we need to be engaged in. As a, as a pastor right now, I serve as a bivocational pastor here in Nashville. Uh, I tell the folks in our church all the time, and I have to tell myself, you know, I got to get into the word, I got to study the Bible. But I think a lot of people, they want to, they don't know how to. And so, through this particular chapter, I try to set out a path so that anybody can, can sit down with a passage of scripture and it not just turn into, you know, a Bible drill seminar and how many biblical factoids can I consume, but how can I make sure that my heart is in line with God's heart and God's mind about truth?
3: Then uh, comes what you call the great conversation, uh, the practice of prayer.
4: Yeah, everybody praise. I mean, it's an odd thing to run into a person who says, well, I've never prayed before. Uh, But oftentimes our prayers turn into just a grocery list in front of God. I'm going to get in front of God. I'm just going to blurt out all of my needs. I'm going to beg for a little bit of forgiveness and, and then boom, I'm gone. But prayer is this great moment where we sit and we soak in God's word. We wait for the Holy Spirit to give us discernment and wisdom. And so prayer should become this driver for us to have a sense of how God is working both in us and the world around us so that we can engage with his great mission in the world. And
3: now comes a hunger for the unknown, uh, the practice of fasting. Fasting.
4: Uh, Fasting is something that I heard about just in passing when I was a kid growing up in church. it, It seemed like it was one of those things that people who lived, you know, cloistered away in Christian retreat centers, that they did those kind of things, but that wasn't for a normal person. But when we read that Matthew, in Matthew chapter six, that Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, whenever you fast, it was, he was assuming we were going to do this. And when we fast, we do it for all these great kingdom purposes that drive us to hunger more deeply for God rather than just trying to satisfy this childlike belly that we carry around with us all the time.
3: And now let's uh, get to a partying people. Uh, We call this the practice of fellowship.
4: I don't think that people oftentimes think about the fellowship uh, or the friendships that we have as a spiritual discipline. Uh, they think, well, this is just kind of part of life. Everybody relates to somebody. And and even when it comes to the church, we think, well, we get together and, you know, we kind of have the spiritual gift of casseroling one another, and and, and we just kind of take care of each other when we're sick or when there's a baby born. We send presents. But to have a deep, biblically-oriented friendships, to really practice hospitality the way the Bible describes it to us, that we welcome in the strangers— or the strange that are among us, then that becomes a a discipline of our lives where God is shaping our hearts to look more like Jesus, and he is setting us, he's setting our minds and our hearts in the direction of his great redemptive mission for the people around us. And so that's why I really do think that fellowship becomes a spiritual discipline for us.
3: Now I want you to talk about driving in the slow lane— Uh, The the practice of rest Our guest, by the way, Dr. Philip Nation And his book is called Habits for Our Holiness Uh, Talk about driving in the slow lane As you call it, Philip
4: Yeah, um, I actually hate Driving in the slow lane I'm one of those that I like to get up I like to get going I like to get things accomplished in my life Uh, But I find that When I live like that I start to get all of my identity And my self-worth from the work of my hands and for how, from how I was able to one-up somebody else. And so this discipline of rest is not just about taking a nap on Sunday afternoon. It's not just about taking a day off from work. It, it is a whole you know new reset of your life where you live rested in Christ, that he's the one who gives you worth. He is the one who's bringing value into your life. He is shaping you and molding you. So you don't have to just constantly run the rat race. You you work and supply for your family and take care of, you know, bills and all of all the responsibilities of life. But we can do so in a way where we say, you know what, God, I'm trusting in you. And I thank you for the the strength and the power to work with my hands and for the job that I've got, even though it's tough. And and I'm going to rest in you that you're going to supply all of my needs.
3: Why is that so hard for us to do, in your opinion, Philip?
4: Well, I think so much of it is just our culture uh, that we're surrounded by that says, you know what, you know how you define success in this world? It is by the amount of power that you can hoard, by the amount of possessions that you can amass, and by the success that you can uh, gain by your achievements. And the world says that's you put those three things together, and that was, that's what makes a great person. And the Christian life says, This is a life where you rest in what God has already done for you. You trust in his possessions that he's got for you, and you get involved in his mission uh, of how he's working in the world. It it runs counter to everything. And and so certainly for for us guys, we oftentimes, we begin every conversation, every introduction with the question, well, what do you do for a living? We define ourselves by our work. And, And so we need to find a better way to, to think about who I am as a human being, of uh, being able to rest in, in what God is doing for me rather than in trying to convince God, hey, look at what I've done for you. You should accept me.
3: Dr. Philip Nation is with us from Nashville, Tennessee. We're talking about his book, Habits for Our Holiness. We've got another segment with Philip. Uh, just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and... AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Back for more, folks, right after this.
2: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
5: Maybe you've been walking with God for most of your life. Maybe you don't know much about Jesus or the Bible. Whatever your background, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN invites you to join us each Sunday morning at 1045 for Reach Orlando, a Bible-centered church with a passion to love God, love people, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. Come study the Bible together with Pastor Adam Parsons and draw closer to God with Reach Orlando. Sunday morning at 1045 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
2: Are you being denied credit? Are you paying high interest rates? At CreditRepair.com, we know life happens. Divorce, medical bills, student loans, and many other reasons why credit scores fall. That's why at CreditRepair.com, we're committed to helping folks get the second chance they deserve to improve their credit.
6: Creditrepair.com is actually acting as an advocate for me. Things that I thought when you paid them off, they were still on there. Things that I didn't even know were on, they were on there. But they got them removed. I feel they doing what they said they'd do and beyond. I'm not going to abuse this second chance that they gave me. I'm in the process now of buying a home. CreditRepair.com actually does work.
2: We can help you get a second chance at great credit. The consultation is free and includes a free credit score and summary credit report. We'll review your current credit situation right on the phone with a game plan to restore it. Call 800-231-1735. That's 800-231-1735. Again, 800-231-1735. 800-231-1735.
3: Hey, I'm Chris Brown, host of Chris Brown's True Stewardship, brought to you by Ramsey Solutions. As a husband and father, I know the stress of managing family finances. And as a pastor,
7: I've seen how handling money poorly can tear
3: apart lives. Well, imagine what life would be like if there were no car payments, student
1: loans, or money fights. What if your finances could be worry-free? God has a lot to say about money. Tune in. Chris Brown's True Stewardship from Ramsey Solutions. Don't miss it. Weekday afternoons at 2. Right after new live Live with Steve Arterburn, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power
2: Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
3: Dr. Philip Nation is our guest here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're talking about his new book, Habits for Our Holiness. Philip, the next habit is called Possessing Possessions. The Practice of Simple Living.
4: Yeah, the the idea of simple living, uh, like any of these disciplines, can t- be taken to their human logical extreme and probably then wrenched out of, uh, I think, what the biblical meanings are. And so as I wrote this chapter, I tried to, I tried to be very careful to not position this as Uh, You need to abandon everything that you own and you need to go live out in the woods somewhere and, you know, you need one set of clothes and get rid of your car. I'm not talking about that as simple living, but rather in making sure that you are not possessed by your possessions. And so even in the chapter, I use the illustration about some of the television shows that we see. And it's everything from, you know, people who go out antiquing and they find you know, what some of us would look at and say, well, that's just junk, but then to another whole set of people, it's worth so much money, all the way to uh, perhaps the, uh, the most disturbing example of, of the show Hoarders, where people just continuously, you know, keep everything in their house, and they never get rid of everything, and, and they, they somehow get comfort by having all of this stuff stacked up around them. And, and so this simple living, this kind of spiritual discipline, is not just about abandoning, you know, the things of this world. But again, it goes back to the idea of where is it that I'm getting my identity? What is it that I trust in? Now, the writer of Ecclesiastes warned us time and time again about how the, you know, just trying to to build up for yourselves treasures and to amass everything in this world, that ultimately it's just like chasing after the wind. And so the spiritual discipline points out that there is a problem in our hearts about contentment. And so whether it's trying to get the most amount of followers on Twitter or having the the funniest thing to post on Facebook, you know, we need to try to stop amassing possessions and people into our lives, but instead just simply live that Christ really is enough for us.
3: And now, Philip, we get to the ministry of the mundane— the practice of servanthood.
4: Yeah, in, in looking at a discipline like this, it's easy to write, to get right to kind of the middle part of the subtitle for the book, you know, that the spiritual disciplines help us to grow us up, draw us together, and send us out. This is one of those places where we think, you know, this really fits, that the spiritual disciplines do connect the body of Christ together. Uh, the churches, we serve together, we minister together, It's not just something I go off in a corner and nobody knows about me doing, but rather uh, the Bible is really clear that, you know, we've got spiritual giftings and skills and abilities that God wants us to use for the building up of the church, for the betterment of the people around us, for the encouragement of the community. But sometimes it's not glamorous. As a matter of fact, I think most times it's not glamorous. And so it's, but it's the way of Jesus. Uh, It's the way that he lives. He serves you know, he doesn't come to rule and to reign in his incarnation, but rather, you know, he takes up the bowl of water and he watches the feet of a bunch of guys that are are going to betray and deny and go running, screaming into the night when he gets arrested.
3: Now, Philip, we're going to talk about treaty or surrender, uh, the practice of submission.
4: Yeah, the, I, I came across this idea uh, some years ago, and it has just lodged in my heart that so oftentimes I find myself in, in my relationship with God trying to bargain with Him. I, I just try to make a treaty that I, I want Him to keep His sovereignty over there, and I'm going to keep my sovereignty over here, and I just want us to trade favors with one another. And, and yet that's never the, the model that, that we can really strike with God. He wants us to absolutely surrender our wills and our lives before Him, and we can trust him in that because he is a good king. You know, he's not like Zeus from Greek mythology, just waiting to zap you with a lightning bolt the moment you step out of line. He's not just a, a cosmic cop who's just trying to keep the traffic moving in the universe and periodically picketing somebody who, you know, turned left when they shouldn't have. You know, but instead, he's this good king. And so this practice of submission before God then parlays into this idea that we— we have this life of accountability with the church, where uh, accountability is not something that interrupts our lives, but it should be a welcomed friend into our lives, where we have these relationships with one another, where we're, we're growing together, we're on mission together, and so we submit to one another, not out of fear, but out of, out of joy and of love, and then we grow because of it.
5: Now,
3: Philip, let's talk about traveling together the practice of spiritual
4: leadership? Yeah, with Habits for Our Holiness, I, I, I got to uh, the previous uh, discipline of servanthood and, and thought, okay, I, I might be done. And so normally in most of the lists on spiritual disciplines, uh, the ideas of, of spiritual leadership and then one other of disciple-making, which I, I use as the last chapter, are generally not included on lists of spiritual disciplines. But i just come to the conviction that it really belongs here. When it comes to leadership, there's all sorts of leadership. I mean, everything from the kid on the playground who says, I'll be it for the game of tag, to the chairman of the board of a Fortune 500 company, there's leadership everywhere. And we've got great biblical principles all throughout the scriptures about what is leadership supposed to look like for God's people and in the world and in the workplace and in the family. And so I I included it in here because I really do think that we need to bring leadership under the sovereignty of God again. We need to bring it into our relationship with Jesus and let him direct it so that then he can use any of us, whether we've got a title or not, as influencers in the world for grace. We need to be these troublemakers for grace. And we can do that by influencing people toward Jesus.
3: Let's talk about city missionaries. You call it the practice of disciple-making.
4: Yeah, when, when Jesus uh, leaves us with his commission, uh, he gives to us as, as his believers this idea that we're supposed to go and make disciples. So we make the disciples, and then recently I, had a, I heard a friend of mine uh, Pastor H.B. Charles, he says, uh, the church makes disciples and it marks disciples. And so we help people come into this relationship with Christ. And then uh, Jesus goes on in the commission, he says, and, and baptize them. That's what H.B. referred to as as marking disciples. Hey, they're, we're going public with our faith. And, and again, I think this is a spiritual endeavor. And so it's a spiritual discipline. It's part of the way that the church works together. We don't just do this alone as individualist Lone Ranger evangelists. Uh, but rather the church body together you know, persuades and compels the city around us that we want to do good for you, uh, we want to introduce you to the gospel. And, and so it takes uh, growing up in our faith to do it well, and while we do it, while we make disciples, it is, in, it is forming us and helping us to grow up in our faith. And so in developing this kind of habitual holiness, Uh, It's not just morality. It's about being the set-apart people of God called out for great purposes of of his kingdom. And certainly chief among them is to multiply the number of disciples that Jesus has in the world.
3: Philip, how do people listening or reading your book put shoe leather to all this?
4: I I think that it it begins... As I said earlier uh, in our time together with, you know, take an assessment about your love for God. All right. So it starts with an analysis. How am I doing? Is my heart set toward God? But then when you want to actually take that first step, uh, my encouragement is pick out one of these disciplines. Uh, Don't try to take on the whole world, but pick out one of them and one activity and one friend at church and commit to one another, hey, let's do this one thing together. And my encouragement is start with Bible study. You know, get a Bible reading plan and start with one friend holding each other accountable that, hey, we're going to read the Gospel of John together this month, or we're going to read the entire New Testament over the next four months, and and, and commit there to taking one step into God's Word, and a lot of this other stuff will start to fall into place.
3: Philip Nation, he is our guest from Nashville, we've been talking about his book "Habits for Our Holiness," uh, how the spiritual disciplines grow us up, draw us together, and send us out. I want you to talk about the sending out part, Philip. Uh, that's a tough one for a lot of Christians, isn't it?
4: It is. It is. And there is this great word uh, that I use, and a lot of I hear a lot of other church leaders use it as well. That we are that we need to be a missional people, uh, and that simply means that we live as missionaries in the world. But again, spiritual disciplines can oftentimes become these practices that drive us so far and so deep into our prayer closet that we can't see the rest of the world. But instead, it, they ought to lift up our eyes to be aware and to have the heart like Jesus does for this lost and dying world that needs grace, that needs mercy, that needs salvation. And so when, when I use that phrase, send us out, a lot of people just get sweaty palms And the hair on the back of their neck stands up because they think, Oh, I got to go witness to seven people today. Now, if you witness to seven people today about the gospel, you know, I want to stand up and applaud you and say, that's great work. Keep doing it. But all of us have an opportunity to share our story about how God has changed our lives, to invite a friend to come and be a part of our Bible study group or to attend worship with us. Uh, The being sent out is it, it culminates with saying the gospel to somebody but all along the way there's all of these other great things that we do we we pray for other people that have never been prayed for ever in their lives or or we share you know what we have out of our life with somebody who's needy we serve them we're generous toward them you know we 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 show submission that you know that that I'm not going to be the guy who always you know bucks the system at work but I'm going to live under the authority that God's put me in there's all sorts of different ways that we are sent out into this world to be a living witness and a verbal witness for what Jesus does to change our hearts and, and, and give us salvation.
3: Philip Nation is our guest. Philip, what's the best thing about living in Nashville?
4: <laughs> living in Nashville, uh, we get all the seasons and sometimes all in one week. At, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my wife and my two sons, we have loved our time here in Nashville. It's a great city. Uh, Simply because of the people. It it is a a kind-hearted place that when you're in need, people rush to your aid uh, and just a a beautiful place to live and and fun all year round.
3: Uh, Tell me about the music in Nashville.
4: Yeah, you can't hardly find a better city in the world when it comes to music. As a matter of fact, I think that we probably have the highest guitar-to-person ratio of any place (laughs) that you can dream of. And it's all sorts of different music, everything from what people normally think of of the country and Western music, where uh, you can go to the Grand Ole Opry uh, every every week and, and hear somebody who's famous and somebody who's just becoming famous. Uh, to all of the little haunts that are downtown, all of these little clubs and places where you can go in and, and hear people that are just getting started. Uh, it, is, it is a place that's just filled with, with skilled musicians who love to write good music.
3: Uh, Philip, tell me about Lifeway Christian Resources. What, what, what is that organization?
4: LifeWay is about uh, 125 years old, and we are the largest uh, resource provider uh, for Christians in the church in the world. Uh, We publish Bible study curriculum. We hold uh, training events for church leadership. We have a trade book publishing arm where they publish Bibles and books on leadership and academic resources. Uh, one of the great things about LifeWay is that we uh, are producing Bible study material that people are using in their Sunday school classes and, and Bible study groups every week of the year. Uh, probably well over 5 million people every week are using our materials, and, and we're now one of the, the largest publishers of Spanish language Bibles in the world. And so it's, a, it's an honor to get to work alongside of people who just love, providing training and resources to Christians and the church.
3: What's next for you? Do you have another book in your pipeline, Philip?
4: Well, I'm working on several right now, and so I'm excited uh, especially about one idea that I'm working on and, and talking with several friends about, uh, and, and one particular, you know, about publishing it, which is a study on the book of James uh, about how do we pursue a godly life and how do we how do we become mature in our faith. And so I think it'll be a great follow up to Habits for Our Holiness. Dr.
3: Philip Nation has been our guest talking about his new book Habits for Our Holiness. We've got another segment, my friends, stay with us. Just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, we do it every weekend here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950. WTLN in Orlando, Florida. Always happy when you join us. We'll be right back.
2: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM
7: 950. WTLN. A lot of people have life insurance through work. It's a great short-term benefit, but is it enough? A lot of those policies only cover a year's salary. Not enough to pay off mortgages or send kids to college. The things life insurance is meant for. That's where SelectQuote comes in. SelectQuote is your personal life insurance guide. They get multiple quotes to find you the best price from the highly rated companies they represent. John is 36 and in excellent health. He got a half million dollar policy for under $20 a month. Life insurance is about peace of mind, not a false sense of security. Which are you getting? Call Select Quote now at 1-800-603-1332. That's 1-800-603-1332. Or get started at Selectquote.com. 1-800-603-1332. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at Selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states.
6: Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it.
3: Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. It's a great blessing to be able to come into your home and cars via radio each weekday evening at 630 with verse by verse. The Apostle Paul told his young protege, Timothy, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That's my passion, to accurately understand and teach God's word of truth. I hope you'll tune in weekdays at 630 p.m. to verse by verse on WTLN.
2: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
3: Dr. Philip Nation, our guest in that first half hour, talking about his book, Habits for Our Holiness. Jennifer Kennedy Dean, she's with us from Atlanta, executive director of the Praying Life Foundation. And we're going to talk about her new book called... SYNCED, S-Y-N-C-E-D, Living Connected to the Heart of Jesus. Jennifer, great to talk to you, and I'm so glad we can visit here.
6: Thank you. So fun to be on your show.
3: Tell me about that title. What's that mean?
6: SYNCED. Well, here's the... I, I would think about this. Jesus would spend all night in prayer, and I'd say to myself, as his disciples apparently said, what are you doing up there all that time? You're You're certainly not begging God for stuff, or giving God instructions, or trying to tell God what needs to be done. What are you, all night, what are you doing? And I began to realize that clearly what he was doing was making himself available to the Father to synchronize his heart to the Father's heart, just like we sync our computers together. You know, I do work on my my main computer, but then it's that, that work and everything I changed in every file syncs to all my other computers, so I began to realize, first of all, that that's what he's doing in his specific times of prayer. But then, what that led to is the the prayer, the way he prayed, led to the life he lived, and and he lived in this synced relationship, always connected to the Father. So he's not. Running around, always trying to figure out what does the father want me to do? He says, I just do what the father shows me. And he lived a life where he found himself where he needed to be, when he needed to be there, with the resources he needed at the moment. And, uh, and so he, it began to be what I started calling living sync. Just living in a, in a synchronized relationship with Jesus just like he lived in a synchronized relationship with the Father.
3: Well, and that leads to the next topic that you call the art of prayer. Uh, Where does that
6: fit in? Yeah, that Jesus... So so we see Jesus and his disciples. Now, he's a rabbi, and and there's no... That's a particular title. It means a person whose whole focus is studying and teaching the Scripture, and there's no debate ab- about whether or not he is a rabbi. He's recognized as a rabbi. He has these 12 disciples that he has pulled into relationship with him, and the purpose of a rabbi is not just to impart knowledge but to reproduce his whole character in his students in his disciples so the, so those disciples live with the rabbi 24/7 they don't just like go to school in the week and then go home on the weekend they become just absorbed in his life so these disciples who uh, who were just becoming absorbed in the life of Jesus and in whom Jesus was investing himself to the extent that he was reproducing his own character in them, they're observing him, and they see that there's something about the way he prays that is manifested in the way he lives, and so they say, oh, teach us to pray with the implied end of that sentence being, like you pray. Because rabbis taught their disciples to pray. And, and, then, and then the scripture says, and Jesus sat down, which means he took the position of teaching. So for us too, Jesus is the one who's going to teach us to pray. When they said, would you teach us to pray, he didn't say, oh, nobody can teach you to pray. It just comes naturally. Instead, he sat down. And he began to teach them to pray. And so I, in, in that part of the book, we're talking about the fact that, that prayer is something that Jesus will teach you. And he's the great prayer teacher. Nobody else knows as much about prayer as he does. He is, and he is willing and eager to teach you everything he knows. Here's what he said to his disciples one day. He said, everything I've heard from my Father, I'll make known to you. And we are now in that position of disciples, and Jesus is saying, there's nothing that I know that I am not willing to impart to you. So imagine that for a prayer teacher, for a prayer mentor, you can have Jesus. He, You know, the most wonderful teachers in the world are those who are extremely enthusiastic about their topic, right? They just, they're so enthusiastic about it that they get you enthusiastic about it. Well, nobody loves prayer more than Jesus. And the other thing about Jesus is not only does he love his topic and know everything there is to know about it, but he knows his student. He knows everything about you. He knows how to walk you through modules that are designed just for you to help you learn how to pray. So G- so Jesus is willing to be your rabbi. He is willing to invite you to be his disciple and let him be the one who teaches you how to pray.
3: My guest, Jennifer Kennedy Dean, we're talking about her book, Sync- Synced: Living Connected to the Heart of Jesus, So, Jen, we have covered Living synced. we've covered the art of prayer. Now, the third topic you write about is simply called Our Father.
6: Yeah. Now, what I do from then is is I take the Lord's Prayer, because that's what, when his disciples said, teach us to pray like you pray, Rabbi Jesus sat down and began to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's it's a very typically rabbinical uh, kind of prayer. It's not really unusual, but... It shows what a particular rabbi feels is important, and Jesus didn't give it. It's a bullet-point prayer. But Jesus spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week with his disciples. So he he imparted way more information than just the outline. But first, understand it to be not, it, it, the important thing is not what he said when he prayed, but how he lived afterward. That's what we're looking at in this. It's not a study of the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to use the Lord's Prayer because that's what he sat down and began to teach them. So in the chapter called Our Father, what I really focus on there is the word our. It's just, it really becomes an amazing word, and I know there's, there's much that's been written about our Father uh, that, that tells us the inclusiveness of the way that Jesus wants us to be as a group, but I think there's something even more exciting about the way that Jesus said, here's how I want you to pray, I want you to pray, our Father. And you think about that, who is included in the our? It's Jesus. Jesus is saying the same way that, that, the, that God is my Father He can be your father, too. He'll be our father. You know, when you say our about something, I I said when I first married my husband, I was more familiar with I and mine than our and we. And, And at first that sense of everything that belongs to me now belongs to him. It seemed a little intrusive. But then I realized, oh, and that means everything that belongs to him belongs to me. So that sense of Jesus saying to you and me, our Father, the same Father I have is the same Father you have, his complete identification with us, pulling us into his huddle. But, uh, and so the intimacy of our began to just capture my imagination. And that our lives sink to his puts us in the position of being loved by the Father the way Jesus is loved by the Father, the very same way. I mean, I think that's an amazing thought.
3: Jennifer Kennedy Dean, she's chatting with us from Atlanta. Uh, We're uh, discussing her new book, Synced. Now we go from our father, Jennifer, to the father. That's the fourth topic.
6: That's right. So the second part of that phrase, our and then father. You know, Jesus invites us into this intimacy with his father and opens the door for you and for me to call his father our father and now, let's uh, when you start to think about what it means that Jesus called God Father, and he called him Father in the most intimate way, not um, Father dearest, but Papa, Daddy. And that got him in more trouble with the religious leaders than anything else. It's not that God as Father was a foreign thought to jewish thought but it was kind of a a god is father of the nation they didn't pull it into that personal relationship like jesus did so the fact that jesus is teaching us in prayer that what he does remember everything he says he says this is how i pray i pray daddy and that intimacy and and then when you see what that brings about in jesus life it brings about the fact that he knows That the God of the universe is his daddy, that brings about as he is, excuse me, while I put together a sentence, he lives his life in a peaceful state. In a state, in emotionally at rest, even though around him was chaos all the time. He was being sought by enemies. He was being he was being uh, he was being followed by people who wanted his ministry. He was there was controversy all the time. His life was chaotic, but his heart was at peace. Why? Because he knew who his daddy was, and mm. so when Jesus invites us to be his disciples. That's what he's saying when he says, uh, if you're anyone who's weary, take my yoke. That was a rabbinical way of saying, enter my school. That's That's what a rabbinical, a rabbi's particular way of teaching or thinking was called his yoke. So Jesus is inviting us to come and he says, take my yoke and learn from me. Because again, he's offering to be our rabbi. Learn from me, and here's what you'll find. You'll find rest for your soul. Now, what do you think when you, when you join a person for their teaching? Why do you do that? Because you see in them what you want reproduced in you. So when Jesus makes that offer, he was, it was clear to everyone listening that the peace they see him living in He has a way to reproduce that for them. So that peacefulness, that state of rest is how he lived, because when he prayed, he prayed our Father.
3: Now, Jennifer, Jennifer Kennedy-Dean is with us. Uh, Next topic, the heavens.
6: Yeah. So... Our Father who art in heaven. Actually, it says our Father in the heavens. It's a plural word, and that matters because our tendency is to think of the word heaven as a land far away where we'll go when we die. But the heavens are... is the spiritual realm that is constantly around us right now, the heavenly realms. And in the book, I take you through the details of scripture to show you that Jesus thought about the heavenly realms as immediately accessible. So because he lived this kind of a praying life, the, the riches and the resources of the spiritual realm were always available to him. And he lived his life, though he was tethered to the earth in the same way that you and I are. He needed the same physical things that you and I do, but all of his resources were drawn out of the heavenly realms. And he says to us, "Hey, that's how I pray. That's how you can pray. You can understand that the ki- that the kingdom of God the the spiritual uh, the spiritual resources that God has are there for the taking when he when he comes and begins his ministry John says after his baptism he began to preach began from then on to preach this one message repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and what that means is the word repent it certainly means turn from your sins it certainly means turn your life around but it means more than that it means not just change your mind like change your opinion but it means reorient your mind orient it toward the spiritual realm why because the kingdom of heaven. Is at hand. In other words, it's here for the taking. If you reach out your hand, there it is. So when he prayed, our Father who art in heaven, he wasn't praying, our Father who lives in a faraway land but can see us from there. He was praying, our Father whose resources are in the heavenly realms, make them available to the material realm.
3: Jennifer Kennedy Dean is teaching us. Uh, In fact, she's teaching up a storm, I would say and uh, her book is called Synced, Living Connected to the Heart of Jesus. Now, Jennifer, let's talk about the hallowed name.
6: Yeah, hallowed be your name. So, again, we tend to think of that phrase as meaning, be careful how you speak and say the name of God and certainly we want to reverence the name of God but the scripture teaches a much broader uh, understanding of what it means to hallow his name and as we look in the early when God is first giving his instructions to his people as we look in Leviticus and then I'm pointing out some scriptures in Ezekiel he's he makes it clear that the way his name is hallowed is by the way his people live in front of other people
3: Our guest is Jennifer Kennedy-Dean. We've got another segment with her uh, talking about her book, Synced. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, folks, that you're listening to. Uh, We do this show every weekend, and we're always very pleased when you join in with us. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN booming out from Orlando, Florida, across the I-4 corridor. More with Jennifer right after this.
2: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950
4: WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney, Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m.
2: That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
5: Tune in every Sunday evening, 8.30 p.m. to experience a live conference call around the world. People will be sharing their amazing health experiences they encountered drinking a proven nutritional medicinal drink. The fruit of the drink has been consumed for thousands of years with many health benefits. Worldwide speaker Trish Bain will be hosting the call and explaining all the benefits. This product has been featured on news programs around the world for 20 years. Sunday evening at 8.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
1: Well, one of the great things about Central Florida is our year-round warm weather, right? It gives us a chance to have a lot of year-round fun and recreation. But unfortunately, our terrific warm weather also gives the bugs of Central Florida a place to call home, too. Pests like ants, lice, fleas, bedbugs, palmetto bugs, and roaches are loving our warm temperatures just as much as we do. Well, when these pests make themselves at home, it's time to call Wayne and Terry at All Seasons Pest Control. All Seasons Pest is there in no time, rating your home of those unwanted guests, the bugs I'm talking about. They're a locally owned small business, too. Voted best pest control company for five years in a row. No big and personal corporate enterprise here. All Seasons Pest knows all of the customers by name and is dedicated to providing that extra level of customer service. Don't let the ants and the fleas and the roaches get the better of you in your home. Call Wayne and Terry at All Seasons Pest Control. 407-886-0204. That's 407-886-0204. 407-886-0204. You're
2: listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950, WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
3: Jennifer Kennedy-Dean is with us from Atlanta. We're talking about her book, Synced. And, And Jennifer, before the break... Uh, we had to cut you off, and you were talk- talking a little bit more about the hallowed name. Can, can you finish for us?
6: Yeah, just to, to realize that hallowing the name is what God does through us. It is, it is not simply about not saying it incorrectly. But he says, for example, in Ezekiel, Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy, through you before, before their eyes. And over and over again throughout the Old Testament, he explains what hallowing his name means. And in the Jewish faith, there is a, there is a phrase that, call, that is called sanctification of the name, which means when you do something worthy of his name, you have proven before the people that his name is holy and hallowed. So it has to do with how we live, not just what we say.
3: Topic number seven, Jennifer, seek the kingdom.
6: Yes. And so the, the the next thing is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way, uh, it's, a, it's a typical Jewish way of expressing a thought to say the same thing three different ways. And each time you say it, it adds a little dimension to the understanding. So those three three phrases are all saying the same thing, they're, and, and they're building on one another. So we begin to see that every time God's specific and intervening will is done, then his kingdom is present. And that um, what, what is available in the heavens, your, your will that's done in heaven, becomes available to the earth by means of prayer. If that were not the case, then when Jesus said, I pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then that would just have to be a throwaway line. But Jesus understood that the conduit that moves that power and provision out of the heavens, out of that spiritual realm, and into the circumstances of earth is prayer. And so uh, understanding how to Seek the kingdom, how to yield to the will of God, how to find god 's will in your life, and find that the will of God for your life that 's what fits you. everything else you try it 's like trying to squeeze your squeeze your feet into some pointy toed shoes. it just doesn 't fit you, and so uh Uh, teaching us how as we pray the kingdom, then we begin to live the kingdom. And again, in each one of these cases, you find that what Jesus prayed in private, he lived out in public. And you see him living in this synced relationship with the Father, where he just finds himself where he needs to be, when he needs to be there, with the resources he needs to accomplish the call.
3: Jennifer, let's talk about the eighth topic here, to will his will. Yeah. Uh, explain that.
6: Yes. That that the the point the petition is is expounded on let your will be done. And that adds to the understanding of that first. So when his when his specific will is enacted, then his kingdom has come. And that's what you're that that's what you are born for. You are you are born to will his will. And sometimes we think about the will of God as something we'll have to bear up under. It's something we'll have to just settle for instead of the thing I really want. But you know what? The thing you really want that's built into your DNA is exactly what God has planned for you. So the more that we become willing to will his will, the more we're going to begin to live a life that is a perfect fit.
3: Now I want you to talk about um, day
6: by day. Yes. He, so the next petition, give us today our daily bread. Now remember, Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, and his real-time audience is a, is a Jewish audience, and they are thinking when he says bread day by day, they're thinking manna. Manna was huge in their thoughts all the time. And so manna is he- heaven's supply for earth circumstances. Uh, manna was there are several aspects of manna. We'll just touch on a couple of them real quick. First of all, manna came out of the spiritual realm into the environment of earth. The, the Hebrews would go to bed at night, and there would be no manna in sight. There, you could search high and low for it. If you're looking for tomorrow's provision tonight, you will not find it. But when you wake up in the morning, that provision will have moved out of the spiritual realm and right into your circumstances. And of course, the second thing that we'll focus on on manna is that it is d- enough for today. And if you can't see supply for tomorrow, well, it's not tomorrow yet. And it and that is one of God's most powerful ways to provide. We don't like it that much. But there are things in your life that God is supplying enough for today and it is a and it is a powerful time when God is teaching you things about Himself just like He taught the Israel Israelites things about Himself by providing manna day by day.
3: Oh, what would that be like? Eating rice krispies every morning? <laughs>
6: I am not sure. I, but something like that, maybe.
3: Our guest is Jennifer Kennedy Dean. Now, Jennifer, let it go. That's chapter 10. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, fill us in.
6: Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, Jesus is teaching us how he prays, and he never sinned, so he didn't have to ask for forgiveness for his sins, and yet he includes this in the outline for how he prays. That's how completely he identifies with us, that he never sinned, but he's so identified with us that he felt the weight of our sins, because that's what he came for. So Uh, 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 Just confessing and receiving forgiveness, allowing God to produce purity in your heart, something only God can do as we confess our sins and they are washed away, every sin already paid for. And, And so learn how to enjoy and accept the purity of heart that God produces. And then, here's the important thing, once you sense and experience the forgiveness of God in your life, then it becomes the natural outflow to, to allow and to offer forgiveness to those who have offended you. And I know there are deep, terrible betrayals and offenses, but, and those need to be forgiven for your sake, not for your offender's sake, but for your sake. But it's also, for most of us, most of the time, it's the petty little everyday stuff that we carry around as a grudge and get out and and catalog every so often. And and the freedom of receiving his forgiveness and then offering it to our offenders is going to change your life.
3: Uh, Now talk to us about proven, the
6: 11th topic. Yes. This is uh, lead us not into temptation. It's... um, The word that's translated there in most of our translations, temptation, is also a word that's often translated testing, And, uh, and when God tests us, it is not so that he can find out how good we are, or give us a grade. He already knows, but he tests us to prove to us how powerful he is, how present he is, the faith that he has already put on deposit in us, and so... God does not tempt us. He doesn't entice us to sin, but he does allow testing in our lives. So I think that petition, it's not saying don't ever let me ever have to go through a, an experience that tests and proves who you are. Don't make me go through hard experiences. It's saying keep me from any testing experience that will not have a beneficial, eternal outcome. And when you understand that prayer at a deeper level, you're going to know that every difficulty that you walk through has an eternal purpose, because God is, God is uh, sheltering you from uh, and, 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 and keeping away from you any of those kinds of situations that will not produce what He wants.
3: Now we've got about 30 seconds here, Jennifer, in closing... Uh, to talk about the conclusion to your book, Mm -hmm. what can you tell us?
6: Yes, I just want us to understand that God wants us to just live in sync with Him, keep in step with Him. He wants us to live with our hearts, focused on Him, and when we do that, we will walk in His power and provision. We won't be seeking and searching for the will of God. The will of God will find us, and along with that will come all of the provision we need in the moment.
3: Jennifer Kennedy-Dean, she's been our guest, talking about her book, Synced. And uh, we've got a wrap-up. We do that every Saturday for you folks, just a quick little wrap-up. So stay with us uh, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, this is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, uh, emanating from Orlando, Florida. And uh, we're always delighted uh, when you plug in and join us. More of the
2: Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new ninety four. Four point nine FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
3: Folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Dr. Philip Nation was our guest in the first half hour uh, talking about his new book, Habits for Our Holiness. And then Jennifer Kennedy Dean joined us from Atlanta, uh, and we talked about her new book called Synced. Uh, She's a wonderful teacher, by the way, and uh, really, really nice to have her with us. Uh, Please visit my website, folks. It's uh, patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, check out my most recent book, it's called Extreme Winning. Uh, HCI is the publisher. We talk about the 12 qualities that the extreme winners in life possess. Uh, I think you'll enjoy the book. Bruce Bochy, the uh, manager of the San Francisco Giants, uh, wrote the foreword. Well, we're back next week for more, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Have a great week ahead, and stay tuned always to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
2: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM
0: 950, WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's